Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, Major League Baseball seems closer to presenting a plan for the 2020 season. Could be 78 or 82 games with teams playing in their division in a division from another league close to home. But could the players walk away from the deal and be the reason why the season dies? Booger McFarlane and Joe Testatore are out at Monday Night Football after just a couple seasons. Who will replace them? And Mike Evans weighs in on Tom Brady and pens a heartfelt letter on Mother's Day. And a happy Mother's Day. I hope all of you guys enjoyed your afternoon on Sunday. We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, quickly on Mother's Day, I don't know if uh, if you cooked at home or um, ordered out for your wife. Let me just say, you know, first of all, it's the busiest restaurant day of the year, Mother's Day is. And um, so it's difficult. But in the coronavirus era, when there's like 25% uh, dining limitations and most people are ordering takeout, Good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good luck, folks. Hope you got your orders in early because a lot of restaurants out there were not um, very efficient. You can just imagine, you know, what it's like to try to um, to put out, you know, restaurant quality food at some of these places and do it all at once. Um, I, we called a couple of places. Uh, I eventually got my wife like Capital Grill or something, but um, a couple of places you would call and they and, and I called it five and they said, we can't even take your order until seven. <laughs> Wow. Wouldn't even take it over the phone. Yeah, so it was uh, it was slammed out there. Well, hopefully that's good. That means people were you know patronizing local restaurants Absolutely. and that. So, oh yeah, they were. I mean, I know they're not at full capacity and probably couldn't produce as much food as you know they could two three months normally. ago before yeah. you know COVID nineteen. But um, if people are patronizing restaurants, that's a good thing. Oh, they were. They were. It was extremely busy just about everywhere. And of course, uh, my wife uh, does some marketing for one as well in her jobs and. Um, uh, so they were, yeah, it was just, it was crazy out there. But anyway, hope everybody had a good Mother's Day. we got lots to talk about. Now of they course, all get to uh, go back to being teachers tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, teachers and full-time employees and all of that. Yeah, the kids, they're, they're funny. They they finish up about Friday at 11. <laughs> and so it's like, it feels like every weekend is a three-day weekend. Well, we got lots to talk about. The uh, Major League Baseball seems closer, uh, as I mentioned, to uh, to having a plan for the 2020 season. Um, you know, they talked about this association um, some time ago, and, and the idea was uh, hopefully to get in about half the year, right? And so they're talking anywhere from 78 to 82 games under the under the scenario that uh, they hope to present. Um, and, and the way they would do this is sort of, you know, teams would play in their own their own stadiums. That's, that's what they're hoping for. Um, testing will be a big part of this, obviously. And, uh, but to limit travel and some of those concerns – uh, they want they want these teams to play within their division, and then if they go outside of their division into the other league, it would be like say for example the National League East, right, versus the American League East, and so uh, everybody would sort of be regionally positioned that way. Uh, and there's a lot look there's there's a lot of unknowns here, and and so they're still trying to work through some of the logistics of all of this. 
but the one thing uh, that was disturbing, you sent me this this story from the New York Post about it, um, and, and I read it, and it, it's really interesting because you know when they talked to the players' association before, they were of the understanding that you know if you play half a season, you'll be looking at potentially half the compensation, and that didn't seem to be much of a problem. But there was this other issue that. What if fans are not involved? I mean, um, you know, so much revenue is going to be lost uh, if if these games are played without the benefit of, of having fans and concessions and all of that. Um, and it it looked like that the league sort of had had agreed with the union to like we'll have to revisit this if if in fact we have to start or play the season without fans. And now, in reading this story in the New York Post, that may be the reason why there's no baseball at all. I mean. Apparently, uh, some on the players' union side are like, "No, nah, we didn't. We didn't agree to this. We want half our salaries, come hell or no fans." And so, boy, wouldn't that be something with with all that that's going on in this country right now, and everybody trying to get back, like we mentioned, restaurants and businesses? If Major League Baseball and the billionaires can't reach an agreement with the millionaires over whether or not they can play this year. I'm curious who's digging their their heels in on this from the player side. Assuming this report that Joel Sherman had is correct, right? Is you know much like in the NFL uh, with the latest CBA, you saw some of the bigger name players, the Aaron Rodgers in that, saying no, I, the 17 game schedule for 250 thousand, whatever, it's not enough. Sure, but the bulk of the players ended up passing it and agreeing mm-hmm. to it because most of them it was close. Most it of them, close. Are, well, it yeah. was, but most of them aren't. And, and there was other things involved in the NFL CBA too. Right, but my question is: is who's digging their heels in? Is it, mm-hmm. is it the players that have the big contracts, or is it the mm-hmm. the players that are on the major league minimum that need the money, that don't have anything right. saved up, that you know are in their first, second, third year, you know, which you know we know mm-hmm. in sports anymore, more there's more young players than there are the older veterans making big money. Uh, it's right. become a young, you know, unless you're really, really good, it's a younger man's game. It's it's because of contracts and salaries and all that. Now baseball doesn't have that salary cap. So this is different than the other sports. For instance, in hockey, with no fans in the stands, that means less revenue for teams, which means less revenue sharing, which means salary caps go down. Right. Which means – so ultimately, the the players in in, in the NHL, the players in the league split 50-50. Yeah, they share. So if revenues are down, everyone takes a cut. down for the players. Yeah, everyone takes a haircut. NBA – Same in the NFL. Yeah, NFL. NFL. Yeah, they're all sharing money in that. Now, Mm -hmm. there's certain things teams get to keep on their own, but for the most part, it's all shared. Right, baseball. There is some revenue sharing among baseball, especially with the national TV deals and things like that. But they don't have a salary cap, and they don't have pure revenue share where every team makes the same money, spends the same money, et cetera, et cetera. That's right. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the owners are taking. I mean, if if they don't pay the players less, if they if you pay you know eighty one games, you get half your salary. They're taking a huge haircut based on ticket revenues, particularly in mm-hmm. markets like say the Chicago Cubs who sell out almost all their games or sure St. Louis places you know, like that yeah. Yankees whose ticket prices are really high mm-hmm. um, you know so it, it it's and it's going to get interesting how much they want this to become a thing publicly too because the well, more this goes the on it, it, as people as, as unemployment's what 15% now are close to yeah and and rising yeah and, and probably rising as in, or and those that are still working, many have taken pay cuts themselves in their jobs. They've been fur- some have been furloughed and not counting yeah. against unemployment yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah, or others have taken maybe ten or twenty percent pay cuts at least short term. Sure, absolutely, everybody's hurting. Uh, you know, do they really want this fight publicly? 
And any time a negotiation between well, these things happen, it does become public to, to a degree. Yeah. I mean, the optics are horrible for players if this, in fact, is, is some or all of their, uh, of their, you know, their stance on this because you're right. I mean, there are so many people out of work right now and, you know, sitting in their cars and food lines wondering how they're going to, how they, and these are people that were, did not, you know, no fault of their own and, and two months ago would have never imagined in this situation. Um, and, and then you're going to tell, tell people that, you know, number one, you know, we all want to see sports come back. We all want to see the world come back and we know how much that, that is a part of our lives. And, and um, you know, for, for, for players or, or for that matter, owners uh, to drive a hard line and, and somehow, you know, wipe out an entire baseball season, um, you know, doesn't make any sense. And you're right. Uh, you know, so much revenue is going to be lost here that whether it's signed or unsigned, you're still a partner in this game. I mean, the, the owners can't have a game without the players, and the players certainly can't play anywhere unless, um, you know, they're part of Major League Baseball right now, unless they want to go form their own league, which has never been successful. So, um, yeah, I, I would think that, you know, at some point cooler cooler heads will prevail. Um, but this is, you know, optically, if they're coming to a to a head here, this is not going to go well. I can tell you for, for the players and, you know, the NFL, you know, one of the interesting things about the NFL, and we've talked about how, you know, about 50 or more than 50% of the revenue is television, which is a huge number. And so they're bound and determined, you know, right now they still have 16 weeks to go before they play the regular season. And they've got, you know, levers they can pull to push that back. But, you know, for example, if, if there are not fans in the stands, there's a potential loss of a hundred million dollars per team. Well, that $320 million, half of that money is belongs to the players. So when they come to next year's salary cap, guess what? The designated gross revenues are now $350 million shy of what they normally would be. And what that means is the 2021 salary cap is going to be some 50 to $80 million less. Which guys want to lose their jobs, right? How do you plan for paying Tom Brady $25 million a year when next year you're starting off at a negative 80 million or 50 million. And so, you know, that's, that's how important it is to try to get some fans, you know, there, but they will, it's automatic. It's already built into their CBA that they're going to share in, in those, in those revenues and in those losses. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, uh, unions are what they are and, and, and you're right. We don't know if this is the, you know, the very, very wealthy few, um, that are making the biggest squawking about this, or is it, or is it the other side of things when they don't don't have all the protection and all the money that they've made over the years? And these are these are players that you know want to hang on uh, as much as they can. They, they have so many things to overcome that this would just be this. This is not how you should lose a baseball season, right? It's one thing if the pandemic gets them, but to lose it over over essentially squabbling over money where no one gets paid and baseball doesn't exist because of it. What a blow to the to Major League Baseball that would be. Well, you hope it's just a start of a negotiation in that, right. you know, look, we're not just going to sit here and say, yes, we'll take 50% less than what we should have made because of this, that let's have a discussion right. of, you know, how much revenue is this really losing? Because unlike the other sports where the revenues are all on the table because it's all shared, baseball really isn't. So players may not, you know, you don't necessarily know what the Yankees make or the Cubs or you know, you don't have all, you know, so if I'm the players, it's kind of like, okay, let's, what are we really talking about? How much are we losing compared to your TV rights deals compared to, you know, all the, 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 the national money you have coming in from, 
you know, all the sponsors, Majestic and whatever other sponsors baseball has throughout. Um, you know, mm-hmm. how much are we really talking about? And then let's go from there to figure out a fair and equitable solution. You hope that, sure. that look, we're not just going to flat out say, yes, we'll take less as a starting Posturing, point of a no- yeah. negotiation. You hope that's what this really is. Right. And there's a lot of things to talk about. I mean, for one, there's not going to be any minor league baseball. I mean, the minor league baseball is not going to exist. Because mm-hmm. that's purely uh, gate-driven at that that's point. That's all gate-driven. If you gate can't have fans in the stands, no point. Correct. And all their advertisers are based on on those fans. And so, uh, you know, as a result of that, you know, you're going to have to have expanded rosters and or some sort of a reserve squad. They're talking about maybe mm-hmm. some 20 to 30 players that each team can kind of um, can kind of earmark um, to move between the major league roster and, and a larger roster than, mm-hmm. than the 25 players they currently have now. You're also talking about um, using the DH for the first time in both leagues. Now, I think that'll stay uh, permanently after this. But so yeah. do I. So do I. Um, using it, both leagues to preserve again to 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 preserve those players. Um, but pitchers know, focus on pitching and only pitching, right. and as they're you know still kind of coming out of spring training 2.0 or whatever they're calling it. Yeah, and if you have a DH, you're obviously mm-hmm. not using as many pitchers, right? You don't have to make those changes, you know, for mm-hmm. a pinch hitter in the seventh or the eighth and the ninth inning, right? You can. Um, right. No, I wonder earlier, yeah, early, exactly. earlier in the game. Now I wonder yeah. if they're still going to do the three batter minimum for for pitchers which was supposed to I don't to start know this that's a great question I don't know what rules changes they would have you know some people it's hard to believe this would be the case but some people would be like well you know whatever happens this year they're not a true world series champion yeah well they are I mean these are rare times uh, obviously but they're saying that with the NHL have... too it's an asterisk by it whoever yeah wins come it. on it's like you know you play the playoffs right it counts I mean you played 85 percent of the regular season I know I, know. But, I mean, that, you know, you know, in the NHL a few years ago, they only played a what a forty-two or forty-five game season, whatever it was, after the lockout. Yeah, nobody said anything about that. They don't, they don't put an asterisk by that one. I mean, they've done that I in know. other sports. The NBA did it a few years ago. They started on Christmas Day right. and played a half season essentially. And there's no asterisk right. by that that title. Yeah, the Houston Astros cheated in one of those series and they didn't take that away for. <laughs> they're the Houston Asterisks and they didn't have an asterisk by it. So I mean, geez. What do you guys want to do here? I mean, if you hey, and and no easy thing by the way. All of a sudden, for the Tampa Bay Rays, last time I checked, there's some pretty good teams in Atlanta, and some other places. Was that where they? Is that who they have to play? Well, I mean, yeah, they would be playing what Atlanta, Washington. Um, <laughs> well, you got the World Mets, Series the Phillies. Are, yeah, I mean, actually, the yeah, NL East. Phillies I mean, are on the way up. Phillies I mean, are on the way up. Um, the Marlins. Really are the Marlins. No, I mean, you got other, the Marlins other than and, the Mets and the Mets. Yeah, no cupcakes the rest of the way. No. That would really be that would one be one hell. I'd enjoy seeing those teams play though. Um, that would be fun. So let's hope. I mean, all these teams, you know, and of course the NFL is plowing ahead. We saw the the you know some of the levers they have in their schedule where um, you know they can eliminate weeks three and four, or they can mm-hmm. um, you know move week one. Uh, everybody end, yep. with in week week two has the same bye week, so they can move that to the bye week. So there's a lot of a lot of ways they can either shorten a season or just move it back um, that are built into that schedule. Uh, and again, I, I know that they fully intend to play with fans. And I think testing is going to get to a point. I did see where the NBA, one of those leagues, said that um, uh, you know they expect to have enough testing to, one, not take away from healthcare workers or the general public, but also uh, you know there's going to be enough of it to where uh, it can be done daily, and if, if say, for example, a player tests positive for for COVID, 
Um, they're not going to they're not going to quarantine the rest of the team. They're just merely going to continue to test them, mm-hmm. and then that player, of course, would be removed from from that pile, and they would they would continue on, which is virtually what you have to do. You couldn't have organizations that you know uh, had potential infections, and and uh, they just shut the teams down. So um, that's sort of the way you know. And, and I would expect football to work the same way. I mean, I think once they start, they start, and if Tom Brady. You know, God forbid, um, or any other player for that matter, comes down with uh, with COVID nineteen, then they're pulled off the roster, and that's why you have other players uh, on your practice squad and waivers and everything else that you can do to replace them. So, um, and and you know, the other hurdle that they have in football is what if there are some states like New York, like California, maybe Illinois, um, where they're not going to allow um, you know certain things to occur from a sporting event standpoint, or fans, or uh, or what have you. So, I mean, all those, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of, you know, well, you know, if, if it's not, if the competitive balance is off kilter because one team doesn't actually have a true home game, I don't think the NFL is going to care. I think they're going to recognize this is a rare season. They're going to play it to the best of their ability. Hopefully that means that, you know, teams will get to play at home with fans. Um, but if there are instances where certain teams can't have fans, and others can I don't you know I don't know what allowances they'll make for that. There might be neutral sites, there might be something like that, but um I think you know if in fact the n f l feels comfortable of of pushing the go button they're they're gonna negotiate this season fair or unfair um you know to the best of their abilities so um yeah that's 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 pretty much what their plan is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, some some other news that uh, broke over the weekend, and I haven't had a chance to talk to this guy yet. Booger McFarland, of course, right down the road, literally from where I live up here in Lutz, and Joe Tessitore are out at Monday Night Football um, after just two seasons. Remember the first year they also had Jason Witten in the booth, I believe, with them. And, um, you know, uh, this is this was not, I guess you would say, unexpected. I don't know what, I don't know what the ratings were for Monday Night Football, and frankly, I think the game's – probably determine that as much as whoever's calling them in my opinion um but uh we'll talk about who you know who might be in line to take those jobs let me just say this about booger mcfarlane who is a a, a, and complete um disclosure here i covered him uh, as a you know as a first round pick out of lsu and um talk about big shoes to fill he was he was tabbed as the next warren sap while Warren Sapp was still on the team and right next to him in his prime. So try doing that, okay, navigating that hurdle. Um, but he had had actually a pretty good career. He won two Super Bowl rings, as a matter of fact. Didn't get to play in the first Super Bowl, 37, with the Bucks. He was injured. Um, did win one uh, for Tony Dungy with the Colts. And, you know, five and a half years ago, I think, Steve, maybe, maybe six now, um, he started in radio locally. He had not done... Um, really anything in broadcasting and uh, what was it 98.7 or one of those CBS stations that they had here locally 
Um, yeah, it actually, it was seven and a half years ago, believe it or not. So. Was it that long? Okay, all right, that makes it. Yeah, because yeah, okay, because he went to ESPN. Two thousand twelve. Yeah, he went. He went to ESPN first with the SEC Network, I think, uh, and then a couple years later ended up on Monday Night Football. So regardless, it wasn't a lot of broadcasting experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I like, what I like about Booger McFarlane, uh, and always have. Uh, first of all, he's very knowledgeable, not just about football, or all sports. I mean, he's a, he's sort of a gym rat. Like, he watches everything. He can talk baseball with you. He can talk golf. He can talk about a lot of things, um, That that uh, all of the sports. Um, but what I really liked about, like about Booger is that he's always Booger McFarlane. He's original, right? Like, there are many broadcasters, and you know these guys, that, um, you know, are, are something when the lights come on and then something a lot different. Um, when they're not, and uh, Booger McFarlane is a, is an original. I mean, he you know he'll tell you the story about you know growing up and and you know, all the things uh, not having money and all the things he went through as a kid and almost burned his his house down and everything. Um, and, and so he's he's you know and he's accomplished. He 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 obviously was a, a great player at LSU and a first round pick and won Super Bowls. And so he has a breadth of knowledge both in the college and the pro game. And um, I really believe that they hamstrung him. And this is just my opinion, you know, because they had this idea where they're going to have a three-man booth and they made him sort of the lesser of the three-man booth when they put Jason Whitten upstairs, right, with Testator the first year. And then they created this sort of contraption, this boogermobile, um, for lack of a better word, where he went up and down the sidelines for no other reason than they wanted him to have some vantage point or you know some perceived closer to the field um, sort of location uh, where he could be kind of a combination third man in the booth and sideline reporter, which was which was odd to me, right? And they tried something, it didn't work, and eventually you know Witten uh, got got horrible reviews the first year, and he was on the air much more than Booger was obviously um, because the two guys in the booth did, did the game and they would, you know, he was on camera at times, but he was, you know, you could hear Booger, but he wasn't, he was part of the show, but he, but he really wasn't in the booth. So, um, and then, you know, once Witten went back and started playing again, then they moved Booger upstairs with uh, Testator and look, he got, you know, it's really tough when you're performing in front of millions of people and every line you, you, you let go uh, you know, is out there for, for all the TV people to scrutinize and, of course, Twitter and, and all the social media platforms. And so he got a lot of pushback um, for some of the things he said or did. Nothing outrageous, but um, sometimes a little more obvious than than what people thought he should be saying or doing. And I'll just say that, like, it, it's it's a tough hurdle, right, when you're part of that franchise that goes back so many years in the 70s and includes – Howard Cosell and Don Meredith, right, and Frank Gifford, and um, you know, just just all the uh, Al Michaels and just all the uh, you know John Maddens and, and and all those people through the years that you're now going to be inevitably compared to. And what they liked about Booger McFarland was um, just that that he was an original, that he was uh, someone that um, was going to be authentic, which I think he is. He's going to say what he thinks. And, 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 um, you know, I think, I think ESPN got a little too in front of themselves. Cause I wrote the story, uh, when he was hired that, you know, some of those guys were telling me, Hey, we think he's the next Charles Barkley. Well, 
come on now. I mean, there's one Charles Barkley, okay? Like, that guy is unbelievable personality and mm-hmm. um, a Hall of Fame, you know, NBA player. And, um, look, there's only one of those. You know, it's it, it, those comparisons, that, that's, that's a tough way to enter the business at that level on Monday Night Football. So, um, at any rate, uh, uh, again... Well, a couple things, too, is, one, the report still says that he's going to be prominent at ESPN. They're not firing yes. him. They're moving no, him out of the money. they like football. him. I think he's going to have a studio job, maybe on Sunday Night Countdown or Monday Night, yeah. who knows. And if you really think he's the next Charles Barkley, it may be better for him to be in a studio. It might be. Up, You're exactly you know. right. Um, You're exactly right. The other part is, is look, they were trying a three-man... They, they wanted Jason Witten. They thought he would be mm-hmm. the next guy, but... They were scared because Witten hadn't done this before. Right. They were scared that he wouldn't be good enough by himself. So they needed a third yes. guy in there, and they liked That's Booger right. and tried Booger. Mm-hmm. Um, through no fault of Booger. And Booger hadn't done that before either. It's not like he no. was calling games on, you know, on Saturdays no. you know, at, on you know, the was Pac-12 a network analyst. or something. You right. Know? Right. So this is all new for him too. So, mm-hmm. uh, look, I always give ESPN kudos because they try things. Yeah. Um, some work out. Some don't. Some sure. some maybe were smart things to try. Some maybe you're going, I don't even know why you ever thought that would work in the first place. But ESPN's not a network that's afraid to try something. Right. Um, which is, you know, why they seem to be the most, you know, from graphics to everything else, they seem to be the most cutting edge for most networks. You know, if you, right. if you compare them all side to side, watch a college football game on ESPN compared to Fox, compared to, you know, whoever else is covering college football, CBS and, and NBC, and, and just look at look at how ESPN is is in general ahead of everybody else. Um, they they try things; they'll they're not afraid to do that, and they're not afraid to stick their neck out and and make mistakes and do that. So I, I give them a lot of credit. I, I think I don't think Booger did a bad job on Monday Night Football. Um, I don't think he's quite there at this point in his career where they need him or want him to be. You know. Um, and, and like I said, maybe he fits better in the studio. I mean, he's done some studio stuff for years for them. I mean, that's what he did before he went to the Monday Night Football booth. Um, and and he goes to the studio, he can be used a little more in college football too, which he's good at as well. So um, yeah, and and I'm a happy. I mean, I I, I think he'll mm-hmm. be. I think he'll find his sort of his niche, right? Like, I I think he can be exceptional. Um, and and hopefully, you know, the the fact that they're keeping him. And putting him in a prominent role, I think, with the NFL at first. But um, regardless, Booger McFarland is going to find his way. Um, and again, you know, things happen completely out of your control when you're in the network level of broadcasting. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing that he made it as part of that franchise in the first place. Um, and we'll see. I mean, they've—I've heard Steve Levy as a possible replacement on, on play-by-play, Ooh. which man, I don't know. I, big Steve I, Levy play-by-play guy. I used to love Steve Levy in studio doing Sports Center and other shows like that. Yeah, I'm not a fan of his play-by-play. Yeah. Well, I'd like to hear him do play-by-play first, I guess. Yeah, right. Because he really doesn't right. during the games. It's uh, more true. of a, they're more it's... doing Sports Center during the game is what they kind. Of, that's kind of what Steve Levy has done with Brian Greasy and others, and he does he does a lot of college football. And I've right. just I've just never been a fan of his play-by-play. And you mentioned you mentioned uh, Brian Greasy. He's also one of the names that's that's been mentioned. They think they're going to fill this, or at least I've read where they're going to fill this internally, uh, which would mean somebody in the ESPN orbit. Dan Orvlosky, who you know was a quarterback here with the Bucks in Detroit and a mm-hmm. bunch of other teams, played like eleven years 
Um, he's really gotten a lot of run on all the ESPN platforms uh, regarding football and the mm-hmm. NFL in particular. He's he's his star is rising. We any time a job comes up, Lewis Riddick's name um, comes across, which I, I don't know again how he would be giving instant analysis or color analysis. Um, you know, during a game, he's very very good on television. Obviously, he's interviewed for some GM jobs that he that he hasn't gotten, but. Um, I couldn't really see either one of those two alone in the booth with Lee. I would or agree. Whoever. I think because I they haven't, agree. much like Booger and Witten, when they started out because they hadn't done it before, I think you're going to have a three-man booth if one of those two is the color analyst mm-hmm. position. That, um, that I, Yeah, I think it's going to be a three-man booth if they do that, at least to start. It doesn't mean it'll be that way forever, but the first year. Right. Yeah. And, and they may they may try that. They may have... A number of people. Of course, we know that um, you know. In waiting, Drew Brees is headed to NBC at some point. You hear this? How about? Uh, and and I, I would I can't imagine he would leave college football. But Kurt Herbstreit is always somebody that they mention when uh, when Monday Night Football comes around. He's a star at ESPN. I mean, ESPN. No doubt. You know, he's and he, you know and he does College Game Day and he does the Saturday Night Game every week. I mean, you know, one of the things he said he didn't want to give up was the College Game Day. Uh, which is where he, sure, you know, why that's where you? he made his yeah. name, and that's you know that's he's a you know that's the franchise. Look, much yeah. like Lee Corso is, once you're on that show that long, they're not you're not going anywhere. No, I mean college is more about the tradition than any other sport. Very good point. You know, yep. where, where NFL they'll change those people out every couple of years, announcers and this mm-hmm. and the other. But college tends to be a little more, you know, it's kind of what tradition. That's what college is built on. That's right. You know, that's, you know, it's kind of when I was back in school 40, 50, 60 years ago, this is, you know, what happened. And, you know, college is all about tradition. So Kirk Herbstreet's a tradition on Saturday mornings. And, you know, supposedly he doesn't want to give that up, which I can't blame him. Right. No, I, I I would agree. I would, I would think he would stick with the college football as well. I got the solution and, and it's really not that complicated because you could have damn near a 20 man booth if you want it, but you could have anybody you want it. Just give the job to Frank Caliendo. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you got. I mean, you got Madden. You got Madden and Summerall back instantly, right? He's at the thirty. He's at the forty. You got Gruden he's back at the in the fifty. Booth. And you got. I tell you what, man. You got Pat Summerall. Are you kidding me? Where's John Madden at? And I mean, you do it. You got Lou Holtz. I mean, you got. Who else do you need? He can't put pants the way we do. I mean, you got all those guys. Stephen A's in the that, booth. I mean, they're all there. Stephen A. It's utterly ridiculous. Yeah, all that stuff. You got all of them together. Just, just. I mean, it would be talk about different. I mean, who cares what's going on in the field? It would be hilarious. <laughs> and 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 I and you know, if you love Madden, you love Summerall, you miss Gruden. They're all there. It's perfect. It's one guy. <laughs> I mean, some of the work I'm telling you, some of the work Frank has done. I know I'm a big Frank guy, but some of the work that Frank has done on Twitter. You talk about finding your niche during the coronavirus, man. I mean, this guy, he's he's phenomenal. He did did you see the one the reaction like the the coaches going over uh, the schedules and he's got Andy Reid and Reid just basically grumbles and holds up Pat Mahomes' jersey. He's like, "Bonker, bonker." And and then Gruden's like he's looking at him, he's goes, "Win, win, win, win." And he keeps going. And then they they and then the I'm telling you, the uh, Bruce Arians that Caliendo does, and I haven't heard see many people do. It's spot on, and of course he's he's in Arizona and he's known Bruce for a long time. 
I'm telling you, it's so good. He's got the crown royal in his hands. <laughs> it's just, it's brilliant. And then uh, over the weekend, he did like get this thing with Parcells and Belichick. Oh my God! I mean, you could have it would be it would be phenomenal. It would just be phenomenal. So I'm I'm hoping that we see all our favorites back in one guy in Frank Caliendo on Monday Night Football. Man, <laughs> it'd just be the weird. It'd be so weird. It would be enjoyable um, as long as the game didn't get in the way, and then it would be then we don't know what would happen. Maybe you have somebody with him. I don't know somebody he can't do. But uh, but that's my that's my suggestion. So we had some other uh, some other football news. Uh, well, really not news, but just guys weighing in. Uh, you know, Mike Evans is somebody that hasn't had a lot to say, um, or at least haven't been quoted much. Um, you know, just briefly after the, the the Tom Brady signing with the Bucks, and of course, Mike Evans is maybe maybe reason number one if you listed them that Tom Brady wanted to play in Tampa Bay. Uh, and yet he was, you know, he had a really long and good relationship, and still does, with uh, Jameis Winston. So for a lot of those guys, particularly somebody like Mike, it was difficult, right, to just come out and just like completely fawn over Tom Brady, even though admittedly he's, you know, got all the rings and, you know, nine Super Bowl appearances and six rings and all that. So, that, so he has, you know, an immense amount of respect. And, of course, they're excited about playing with him, right? But to to, to come out too early and – uh, before Jameis even was out of here uh, and, and start beating the drum for Tom Brady would be maybe a, an act of treason or something in their minds. Um, but, you know, I think uh, he, he had this Instagram with Lewis Murphy, a former uh, Bucks receiver in his own right from, from uh, right down the road in Lakewood High School, as a matter of fact, University of Florida. And, you know, he was asked about, you know, about, hey, hey man, what's it, what's, what do you think it's going to be like playing with Brady? And, you know, his whole thing was sort of like, well, come on now. You know, I'm a, you, you were, Lewis was an NFL receiver. Like, what do you, what do you mean? And, and he started talking about Jameis. And it's true that you forget about Mike Evans and, you know, as great as he is, how little football he has played. It's incredible to me that this guy, late, late in his high school career, like his senior year, uh, he was a, Mike was a basketball player and a damn good one in Galveston. And, um, you know, and that was really sort of his sort of his niche. That was his goal was to be an NBA player. He learned quickly that six foot five guys, you know, don't last long uh, in the blocks. So, um, you know, very soon at, at the end of his uh, high school career, he played high school ball. That alone got him a scholarship to Texas A&M. And he was there three years. He played two. He was a redshirt sophomore. So he played two years, really, with Johnny Manziel, and he went up and made Manziel Johnny football and a Heisman winner. Um, and, you know, after all of that, um, he comes to the NFL as a first-round pick. And really, with just a couple years of, of high-level football under his belt, and then he goes six straight seasons with 1,000 yards or more. Five of those was with Jameis. He played one year with Mike Lennon and with uh, Josh McCown. And... You know, he still put up a thousand yards his rookie year, and then, you know, for five years, which is the bulk of his entire football career, going back to high school, he's had one quarterback. So he's very loyal to Jameis, and yet he he did acknowledge uh, after after all these disclaimers that, you know, hell yes, where you know he's excited, and and who wouldn't be because you can see sort of what Brady has already meant right to this franchise before even throwing a pass. And you looked at what happened when the schedule came out last week. All the all the national TV games, five national 
national primetime TV games and some others at 430, you know, 425, the Fox doubleheader, like the first game against New Orleans. So, you know, they're all very anxious to see if Brady can be the reason that, that they are that they're over the hump and that they'll have to meet his standard um, and, and he knows how to finish, right? He's the guy that knows how to get there and win it. Uh, and so, um, you know, it was interesting to hear him talk, uh, you know, fairly candidly uh, about, about, you know, playing with Tom Brady. And speaking of Evans, uh, go on Buccaneers.com or you can go to TampaBay.com and I have a link to it. Um, Mike Evans also penned what was really a, um, a fairly – you know, emotional, I guess you would say, uh, letter, uh, Mother's Day, a letter, a letter to on Mother's Day, um, sort of to all the, the women in his life that have made such a difference, and and, and he discusses mothers in general, uh, for that matter. But um, it, it was really well done uh, by Mike to cover as much ground as he did. Of course, his mom, Heather Kilgore. Uh, if you saw the thirty for thirty story on Mike Evans, you know he was nine years old when his uh, father was stabbed and, and eventually shot to death. Um, by his uncle, by Heather Kilgore, his mother's brother, Sam, um, and found out later, you know, Mike did, he was nine years old and found out later that uh, his mom, you know, was was suffering domestic abuse at the hands of his dad and all those things. And um, But regardless, she was, she had him very young, him and his sister, uh, I think 15, 16 years old, and she raised them as a single parent, um, you know, and he said, you know, she worked her butt off and, and they never felt like you know, they felt like they always had the best Christmases and best birthdays, and she got them everything they needed, and um, it's just real well done. And then, of course, he talks also um, uh, how grateful he is to his wife, Ashley, and, and the kind of mom she is and everything that she manages to do, and then just reminds everybody, you know, what, what moms mean to all of us. And, and uh, uh, it was just well done. You know, Mike has a side to him, and, and when he first came to the Bucks, you know, not knowing him very well, he was sort of he was sort of reticent for you know to do interviews. He was he was kind of standoffish a little bit, and I didn't really know how to interpret that because I didn't know his story uh, until they did the ESPN Thirty for Thirty, and then it made sense to me, right? I mean, here's a guy the things he has been through and seen. Um, you know, it takes him a little while to uh, to figure out who to trust, and uh, once he does, though, you know, I mean, the guy is is an absolute um, great you know, representative for the franchise, for the NFL, does a lot in the community, has his Mike Evans uh, foundation and, and, and all of that and does things in back in Texas as well. Has scholarship. Him and his wife, uh, Ashley, have done a great job of of, uh, of endowments at USF and Texas A&M and different places. So um, really well done by Mike at a time when uh, it was good to hear, you know, from one of their, one of their top players. Uh, I thought that was, I thought that was well done. So I wanted to mention that. All right, so uh, that's uh, our podcast for today. Tomorrow we're going to have the lovely, the talented Chris Torello of Spectrum Sports 360. You see him on Bay News 9, um, maybe for a couple days, actually. And then a leftover, uh, we got some leftover mailbag questions we'll get to. You can always submit your questions to us at any time. You can just send it to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at Tampa Bay. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.